Welcome to Q&A Quest, episode 161. I'm your caffeine-fueled host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always. Audible this time, David McBurney, Pepper Master. Shh, quiet, don't no. tell him about that. <laughs> no. And enjoying his creatively altered uh, toaster oven pizza, Michael Baker, Gaiji Minogatari. Uh... Shall I go into all the creative things done to it again, or shall we just skip the mystery might compel questions next week. Yes. Who knows? Sure, okay, we'll leave it for future audiences. <laughs> the know. rare and powerful mystery pizza. Yes. So anyway, um, before we realized we were not recording the last five, ten minutes, um, I was going into all the reasons why Elder's Blood is a very interesting game that has freaked me out a little bit, and I will probably not be playing it much longer. Read the impression coming out maybe this week for more details. Um, instead, I needed something nice and light and charming to reward myself with actually writing this impression, so I got Dandy Dungeon on Steam. Nice. That does sound like kind of the opposite idea. <laughs> and it is hilarious. It's, um, it is an incredibly meta little game about a computer programmer who is stuck in a dead-end job for the first 20 minutes before he gets summarily fired. And he's, taking out, most, he's taking out most of his frustrations with life in general, his boss in particular, and his unrequited affection for the lady next door um, by programming it all into a cute little puzzle-based roguelike. Ooh. That he is uh, is his dream to finish. So um, you get to help him, help guide him through his life, and have him level up as a programmer and as a person. And with each level up, he starts adding more features to the game. Oh, yeah, I'm into interesting. That. This sounds really good. Yes. And again, it is by the same guy who was behind Moon RPG Remix Adventure and. Quite a few other very weirdly meta games. Spring 2020, we'll see a big update for Dandy Dungeon. The yes, update will that's add why Dandy, I it. Dandy Dungeon 2, The Phantom Bride, to the base game. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to pick up the Switch, Switch version of this eventually. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I need something to just mess around with when I'm kind of feeling tired but don't want to go to bed yet. And since, it, like I said, it's mostly puzzle based. Um, it's a good one to work with. Um, the idea is that you're you're given a basically a, a floor plan grid to navigate, and you have to draw a line from the entrance to the exit, and he will fight everything that comes along the path. And you get a bonus if you manage to walk on every single space in the dungeon. <laughs> this is how I can play it and not be allergic to it because it's a roguelike. <laughs> I mean, the roguelike part or roguelite. Part yeah, it seems like it's more at, the theming. He starts at level one at the start of each dungeon. Yeah, it seems but, like it's more the theming. Yeah, I mean, he, it's even called, referred to as rogue light in yeah. the description. Um, but you can 
you can up, um, choose or upgrade his equipment. Um, if you can put together a, a proper ensemble, then he will get bonuses. <laughs> currently, my, currently he's wearing the Barbarian's outfit, which tanks his defense, but b- strongly boosts his attack. I'm just playing with this one now to see what else I can get. And, I'm, a big, uh, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of this preview screenshot that just shows like a dungeon floor, and it just says it's crawling with jerks. <laughs> oh, that happens at least once per dungeon, yes. Let's see. where I got a good screenshot that I shared on the Actually, you might have seen it in the staff Discord. Mm, yeah, I shared maybe. a screenshot. I'll, you know, I'll just put it up here for you. Let's see. Let's see if I can add a file. There we go. Um, saved pictures, dandy. Where are we? There we go. And hit the plus button. Oops. Nope. No plus button. Just here. So, um, can you see that? Um, I'm not sure what I just did. I don't see nothing. <laughs> okay, it just kind of replaced my entire thing here. Um, let's, let's see if I... Okay, it's now my background for Skype. <laughs> you know what? Whoops. Success. I'm, I there found the go. thing in the staff. There it is. Yes, this is not a donut. <laughs> yes, he's introducing the um, the one-up items for the game, mm-hmm. uh, which if oh. you're, which if you are doing the uh, the randomized dungeon, if you use one of these, it will send up a message on the left side saying, "Cheaters don't get on leaderboards." <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so um, they're onigiri rice balls that you need to um, recover from a, a knockout. And he makes a point of saying, these are not donuts, these are not hamburgers, these are rice balls, the soul food of Japan. Can't believe that Pokemon lied to me. Yep. So, um, yeah, it is just very randomly, I mean, um, I, I would applaud whoever did the localization, despite a a handful of typos, some of which may have actually been intentional. Um, (laughs) um, It's been pretty good so far. Nice. Yeah. I definitely need to check that out. So, Wheels, you said you finished uh, Atelier Asha. I quote-unquote finished... Bad ending, Aisha. right? Yes. Rip wheels. Hey, at least Neo survived. Yeah, it's, a, it's still kind of a brutal ending. It's like, hey, you were too slow. I finished this for you. You suck. <laughs> Someone else did it. Yes. And your character le- spent the rest of their lives unsatisfied uh, with their own failure. Well, and the way he says it, too, is like, hey, I was wandering in a dark dungeon and I found your sister. Like, yeah. You could have solved me. this. Like I said, he, he is the best and possibly the only anti-villain in the entire Atelier series. <laughs> One day I'll play those games. One day. You should. Yeah. Which is too bad, Wheels, because you missed out on the grooviest final boss battle theme ever. I've listened to it. It's fantastic. Yes. I assume so that you're doing a replay Add it to right the end now. of the episode. Yeah. Atelier Asha. Maria. Yes. Uh, yeah, I immediately restarted... 
with my clear data, so I've got all my advanced equipment, and I've already already done a bunch of events I don't think I did till year two, because I was wandering around doing uh, nothing so important. You, you got so a head start go. on getting an ending that is less depressing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't to, really to care about like the perfect ending or anything. I just want to fight that final boss, and I'll be happy. Yes. You want to have an actual ending. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... There, um, there aren't many Atelier games that I haven't replayed at least twice um, in a, um, consecutively in most cases. Um, though I think Atelier Lee's on the DS is the only one that I never actually beat properly. Hmm. Just because the clear condition for the best ending was very difficult to get around because it was either somehow managed to make this very difficult item within three years and it was very, very difficult... Or uh, raise thirty-five million gold. Oh, jeez. Um, and the only thing that really carried over between games was the money. So. Rough. That's uh, well, that can be useful, but yeah. Yeah, and th- there were a lot of issues with Lee's. Um, not as many as with Lily which was another one that I don't think I ever actually got the best ending for because you can't get the best ending for it on the original version because of a bug that prevents you from actually finishing one of the major quests. Oh, <laughs> that happens a lot with Atelier games of a certain vintage. No, th- this one was particularly um, egregious to the point where they released the plus edition less than a year later. It was mostly bug fixes. Oof. Yes. Nice so, one. but yeah, those were the two buggiest games in the series. Yeah. Uh, well, I'd say never change, but I'm glad they did. <laughs> thankfully, Aisha yeah. is pretty bug-free and pretty great. Well, especially because this is, like, release three for it. It damn well better be. <laughs> true, true. I mean, there yes, are, yeah. but think of I think it launched fine game. as well. Yeah, there are occasional slowdowns, but, I mean, on the whole, it's totally fine. But, it's a video game, and yeah. it's an RPG. Cares. So, is it the Switch version? Yep. Well, cool. well. Probably slows down less than the Vita version. Probably, yeah. Almost certainly. But, yeah. But yeah uh, it's a great game. I look forward to hopefully getting a better ending, but. I mean. Oh, you will. Yeah. I'm already hedging the bets. But, I mean, it's great. There's lots of cool characters to meet, um, except for a bagpipe playing idiot who. <laughs> It's kind of annoying. Can't believe Wheels would be playing the bagpipes. Oh, I'm not playing the bagpipes. <laughs> but yeah, I highly highly recommend it for anyone that wants to check out the series. It seems like a decent entry point. That or the newest title, which apparently sold a ton of copies. Yes. Yes, still, I still up. really am enticed by the theming of the Dusk series, so it's probably the first one I'll pick up. Yeah. It's it's one of the most interesting post-apocalyptic worlds I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. Can, let's see. Um, if you don't mind a minor sort of thematic spoiler, um, it's essentially what you would get if you managed to have a technological singularity event with magical alchemy. I'm into it. Yeah. 
And that gets more and more apparent as the games go on because every major issue seems to be caused by some bit of equipment from a thousand years or so back that is still functioning, still trying to do its mandated imperative, and not caring at all about what else happens. <laughs> Listen, it wasn't paid to think. <laughs> well, actually, at least one of these actually was paid to think, and she's thinking a little too hard, and she kind of went crazy. Listen, we've all been there, just not in high-stakes situations. <laughs> not in a situation where you are trying to find a way to terraform half of a continent. Yeah, that's a little, that's a little uh, <laughs> above my pay grade. This sounds pretty awesome. Which game is this in? Eschatology. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. As you do. Yes. But, yeah. Uh, I keep, but, yeah. like... I, I I keep waiting for a sale and then like thinking I should also grab the three pack whenever that comes up because I, I'd be wasting money not to. <laughs> but don't worry about waste. It's true. It's true. I mean, you probably have an excess of free time right now, anyway. Yes. That uh, much is definitely true. And if you're going to buy one of them, don't buy the one I'm playing right now or any of its sequels. Which one are you playing right now, Sophie? Oh, for some reason I thought you would you would be playing Aisha on the And now no, I didn't feel like setting up the switch to stream and this and the PS three uh. I can't stream from, so this is actually other than the PS two the only um, Oh yeah, that was the only one I can stream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Sophie, I when I was playing it I was constantly reminded of the first two or th the first three PS two games for Atelier. Lily, Lily Judy, Marie. and oh, no, Violet. Mm. Um, especially the first two. Because Sophie has a lot of the same weaknesses. Plus the added weakness of having a villain shoehorned in and it does not really work. <laughs> so I ha I'm probably going to play the next two eventually just to see. Especially since um, Lydian Soul has some pretty good music. I've heard that but... one's like the best of the three. It probably it is. Um, probably will not be playing them in English just because I want to see how much of Sam or of Sam's uh, critique of the second one's story was due to a bad localization or not. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's always possible. Probably not likely. So. Yeah. Oh, you're probably yeah. gonna have to play that second one on Vita too, aren't you? Well, I mean, they. I think they've released it to Switch as well. No. It just depends on how much money I'm willing to spend. Only the third one is on Switch. That's weird. I would have expected them to just, like, show all three on there as, like, a trilogy pack again, but... Yeah, I would think so. Maybe. Uh, oh, that one would have come out in, like, 2017 or 2018, so it was probably just, like, it's the new one, so we'll try porting it. Yeah. No, I mean, they've backported the first six PS3 games anyway. Yeah. So, um, they, yeah. they, they probably, probably will, eventually. will eventually, yeah. Actually, they Makes may sense. have in Japan, I'm not sure. I haven't actually looked in my game store in over a week because I keep forgetting to bring my face mask. That seems important. Yeah, uh, I mean, yes, it's good manners, but also the, the game store actually has a um, has a, a sign posted outside saying, please, please, please wear a mask in here. Yeah, no. Please do See, not breathe all over our merchandise, uh, please. Uh, they also closed down the entire uh, magic corner. 
Mm. No, it's but safe. the gathering. Lady Sewell, Maru, Runa, Ryza, Shali, Tatari. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, it's it's going to have to be the Vita version. Yeah, it's uh, the performance is. Um, <clears throat> I'm just going to say it's rough and leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, um, th- I probably will be waiting for the eventual Switch release just because I know that the Vita ports tend to be. You know, I've got Meruru on Switch right now. I'm probably going to be seeing this for myself in a while. Um, <laughs> but Gus does not have the best history of Vita ports. Or PSP ports. Oh, yeah. PSP ports. Um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. But at least at least everybody's eyes are on straight in this version, right, Wheels? Uh, yes. Yes, I have not okay, seen... Because I played the Steam version of Sophie, and for some reason... Most of the time, everybody's eyes were missing, yes. and then attached to somebody else's forehead. Yes, I I have played this both on PS4 and uh, Vita, and have not seen any horrifying eyes. Yes, Although, I mean I, I made sure to include a screenshot of that in my review of Sophie, just so people could see how soul crushing it was. Yeah, and so. I thought the performance on Vita was okay, and then. Because I didn't have the PS4. Then you played any other version. Well, I didn't have the PS4 version originally, and then I picked it up because it's it's one of those cross save titles, and then it was like, oh, oh, this is not great. Oh, it's the, but not as bad as the the next one. The, the Steam version was even worse. I mean, the the Oof. only good thing I had to say about the Steam version for um, lag was that it gave me a much better chance at reacting and whacking things with the staff. Nice. <laughs> and also the comment that thankfully this is not an action-oriented title. Mm. That was bad. Yeah. But anyway, I'm still curious about the other two, and I will play them eventually because hey, I played most of the other awful ones in the series. It could scarcely be worse than some of those uh, ones that just don't function. It's there. Listen, they're all better than the. Um, Monokemia for PSP, so there's that. Yeah, and w- which Artanelico was it that the localization accidentally uh, yes. added a bug to a major two. boss fight? Yes, that's two, and... That's not even the wor- most egregious bug they could have had, because a decent player will get through that fight before it gets a chance to break. Yeah, there's an, e- there's an easy way to cheese through that fight so you don't encounter the bug. I know this because I beat that game, but it's 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 ridiculous, kind of, but it made it through. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing that the quality assurance people were also very good at the game. I mean, maybe like the like uh, the way you it's you weird get that past Sony it, didn't catch it. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. but the way you get past it is like it's not really a question of just oh you're doing this really good. It's you're actually cheesing the mechanics of the game to get way more attacks than you should be able to. Essentially. And, and it's weird that QA didn't ca- do... Well, it's not weird that QA didn't do anything about that because I would imagine if they sent it up the chain, they probably would have responded not fixing. Yeah. Either that or they were deliberately trying to cheese things just to see if the cheesing caused any bugs. It could be. Because, <laughs> I mean... If I remember, a lot of bugs require really very specific combinations of factors for them to yeah. appear at later stages of the testing. Yeah, it's, it's basically it just turns the fight into a three-fight time limit. Yeah, but I mean, it, 
there could be lots of things. Could be like, oh, they had to fix something else at the last minute and didn't weren't able to didn't do enough testing to catch that. Yeah, there's a, there a lot going on. There. Yeah, I mean, especially since it was an issue with the added localization and not in the original game. Yeah, it was. It was from what I remember looking up. It was just an issue of how the how the English the text, text got inserted into that section. Yeah. So. Because yeah. it had to do with like a mid-battle comment from the boss. It's like when the boss switches into like their second phase, but thankfully the game doesn't try to force that phase to happen. So, you, like that would have been that bug would have actually been a showstopper if the game scripting forced the t- boss to shift into that phase. But no. Yeah, so in, in case you think, oh, you know, we didn't need patches for old games, I say, That's shut up, enough. shut up. <laughs> like, we we have better versions even than that, because, like, I mean, you can go to even something much older, like Lufia 2, where it's like, the tile set's not implemented properly late in the game. It's broken. <laughs> oh, yeah. Patch is good good to have patches. It's also good to have strong QA practices. Yes. Yes, it is. As it turns out, one does not make up for the other Bethesda. Um. (laughs) Hunted the Demon Forge. Oh, don't bring that up. (laughs) I should be yelling at you about that. Uh, I'm thinking blood corruption. Oh, God. Which is remarkably relevant right now because as I recall some epidemiologists actually used it as a study in um, how plagues spread oh yeah no that absolutely oh. did happen you remember that one wheels yeah yeah wheels had the blood corruption no I think oh, I had I think I had stopped no, I playing wow by that just <laughs> make a joke yeah but, yeah but that that is I, I just thought that was yeah. one of the most amazing bits of accidental emergent storyline ever to hit. it's, <laughs> it's yeah. fascinating they actually ended up turning that into like a hearthstone card that it's makes sense cool. at some point you just kind of have to roll with it yeah well just like yeah. they made uh leroy jenkins a hearthstone card leroy jenkins yeah okay <laughs> hashtag memes uh let's see yeah uh yeah uh you've been playing anything else wheels uh, I've been trying to play Final Fantasy VII Remake when the children allow me to, but yeah, it's... Uh, the Perils of Dadhood. Yes, it means Minecraft. Lots of Minecraft. Can't believe you have to just play a Minecraft mod that attempts to recreate FF7 Remake. Well, no. Instead, we get Frozen and, uh, like, Adventure Time Minecraft mods. I feel like that second one is more appealing to you. Yes, it is. It's quite great. Uh, mm-hmm. And one thing I had, so what these mods usually give you is like, you get like an, a pre-built like adventure world where you can kind of just wander around and do stuff, which I think is pretty boring. Uh, but what I found <laughs> it out is... It sounds like Dragon Quest builders. Yes. But what I found out, well, except that you can't actually build anything. That's why these things are weird. Oh, never mind. But you can't, you can like take that world and like turn it, play it in like regular mode where you can build stuff but there's oftentimes there's like scripted stuff in there that kind of breaks if you do that but what I did find out that you can do is you can create go through like the normal like world creation and use like 
one of those other tile sets you get from these maps. Uh, so my son and I started playing a new world with the Adventure Time tile set, which also cues up some of the music occasionally, which is pretty fun. But it's a much more enjoyable tile set for me, I, I will say. Because you get like weird Adventure Time creatures to fight, and uh, like the different weapons are based on the show. It's it's cool. But yeah, Adventure Time, it's good. Uh, and I I'm a bit overloaded on Minecraft, I will say. I'm not surprised. Yes. But I I can't act like I'm not having fun with it a lot of the time because I certainly am. Developing the Stockholm Syndrome. True. But yes, I did finally fire up uh, Dragon Quest Builders 2 today. Mm-hmm. Just just mm-hmm. for a change of pace. And man, is man is that game good. Nice, nice. Just, and just like the dialogue and stuff is just... It's just a lot of fun. Like, I haven't even really got to the point where I can do a lot of actual building of anything yet. And... Mm-hmm. It, it, just the story and stuff is really fun so Mm. looking forward to playing more of that and hopefully maybe I can convince children to play multiplayer in that instead (laughs) one day but we'll see but yeah that's that's about it it's been Aisha and FF7 remake when I can get to it where have you left off there? Uh, I'm still right after getting Aerith I'm doing okay. I'm, sector five slums. Yes, I finished all the side quests there today, so nice. we'll be getting back into the main story. You got sure. the nail bat. Yes, I got the nail bat. It's an important weapon. Yes, I equipped it, and the kids were like, "What's that?" <laughs> it's ideal for the mini game there. Yes. But uh... but yeah, I am. I normally wouldn't go through a bunch of side quests in Final Fantasy, so that tells you a lot about this, because it's just like, oh, more of this combat. Yes, please. Yeah, I just want to wander around here. I want to listen to these characters talk. I want to yeah. see more of the combat. Be- like, beat Shiva? Sure. Yeah, I will do that fight a few times. I managed that my first try, but it was pretty touch and go. I got it on the second try. Almost got it the first time, but took took two tries. Uh, and I think for the second try, I I made Eris' weapon have fire element. Mm. That kind of put me over the top. Man, now I'm just like, when you finish the game, you unlock hard mode. And I'm very glad that they forced you to unlock that, because Wheels would destroy himself attempting to beat that mode. Probably. <laughs> You're not allowed to use items in that mode. <laughs> what? So. Uh... Okay. MP management is a lost art. Um, Thing. But yeah. Uh, I, I guess it is a lost art because I've already used like one or two elixirs in desperate situations. So. Desperate times, desperate measures. I think you keep any items that you use in the VR simulation, which is nice. So. Oh, oh, that reminds mm. that reminds me. I've also been dabbling in a bit of Trials of Mana, obviously. How's that been going? Great, and it's kind of funny as I've been playing that. I'm like, huh, this, this in Final Fantasy VII actually kind of plays similar. <laughs> <laughs> Although, similar yet different. Similar yet different. You're 
don't really have to change characters as much in Trials of Mana. If you don't no such to. thing as an ATB. <laughs> yeah, true. But it's still like, oh, you can switch characters uh, on the fly. You're mostly doing like a lot of uh, kind of basic attacks and dodging and stuff like that. And then you can pause to issue commands to your main character or the other characters. You can see like a recurrent design ethos that exists within Square Enix. Yeah, and it's a di- design ethos I really like, so stick with it, Square. Yeah, that's all good. for this. Maybe they can make a good new mana game. Yeah, because this it's really it's it's the best the mana series has been in since uh, Legend of Mana. So twenty years. Yeah, uh, and. I'm just I'm just waiting for a collection of mana two to happen and have it with Sword of Mana and Legend of Mana, and then we just very politely all collectively agree to ignore Dawn of Mana. Yes, yes. I please. mean, I would be willing to take Dawn of Mana with it if I got the other two. We yeah, but with, even if they included it, no one would actually yeah. play it. I don't care for Sword of Mana, but I w- it's would at take least it an anyway. interesting remake. Yes, yeah. yeah. And and plus they are since they're both. Um, technically Brownie Brown games, even if Brownie Brown didn't exist when Legend of Mana was actually made, they at least have a very similar design aesthetic. Yeah. Or at least a visual aesthetic. As for so. as for what I've been playing, uh, I started up the new Sakura Wars. I'm a couple chapters into that. Yay. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's pretty good. Uh, it's a very, like, this, this is true of basically all the Sakura Wars game. It is the most, like, bubblegum, unchallenging, like, dramatically game imaginable. But that's not a problem. That's just a choice that it's chosen and that I'm kind of fine with, especially right now. (laughs) That's Sakura Tyson. Yeah, like, that is the nature of how Sakura Wars works. Like, uh... Otherwise, the biggest issue I have with it is one that is mentioned in (laughs) the review on the site, which is that... Uh, it can be very hard to keep track of what people are saying when you're in the middle of combat, because they are not dubbed, and you will be busy fighting like 15 tiny robots, and in the, at the bottom of the screen is some text that you are absolutely not going to have time to pay attention to. Oh. <laughs> it's not typically important dialogue, but it is a shame that like you can tell they're talking about something, I don't have time to process it. But it's it's good. It's got a f- cute, charming cast of characters. Uh, it's still got the lip system that all of them run on that tends to make dialogue options more fun. I've forever appreciated a game where you can look at all of your dialogue options, realize that all of them are going to make it worse, and actively choose to not say anything. <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, still cute. Uh, I would say that the new action combat is functional. That's that's basically the word I would use for it. It's it's fine. Okay. It's definitely not what anyone will ever play the game specifically for. Uh, it's not going to turn anyone away from it, most likely. But yeah, and like I, I would say, Sakura uh, Tyson Five was a stronger strategy RPG than this is an action RPG. Is that, uh, is that the last one we got in English? That was the only other one we got in English. I should, yeah, I'd say 
Is that is that the one we got in English? Is what I meant yeah. to say. Sorry. Sakura Tyson Five, aka Sakura Tyson, so long, my love, uh, was the one we got in English. Uh, I forget what the a bunch of them have like subtitles. I forget what all of them are. The first two are in Japan. The third one's in Paris. The fourth one's back in Japan, I think, but brings in some of the Paris cast. And then the fourth, yeah. fifth one's in New York. Yeah. And just reading about those games is the main reason why I know the old kanji for New York. <laughs> oh, that must be <laughs> interesting, actually. I, I already knew the one for Paris, because the old movie Paris Lights mm. is has the name written in kanji. Mm. But there aren't that many... Um, non-Sinosphere um, cities or countries that actually have kanji. Yeah. Uh, and most of them have fallen out of favor, including Paris and Hawaii. Hmm. I'm, I, and London, actually. Um, I really need to double-check to make sure that the New York one was actually accurate and not just something they made up for the game. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it was. Um, uh. Yeah. But yeah, d- just randomly saying there, it was because that really fit into the series um, aesthetic of Takarazuka Theater in the 1920s. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because that was uh, about the last period that they actually used a lot of these names in kanji. Mm-hmm. The, uh, but yeah, like the game is, is very much a sort of... It's, it's meant to be relaxing, and it fits that bill pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, for anyone too concerned, like it's definitely in continuity with the old games but it's still very much like it doesn't matter if you know the old games because everything you need to know is going to be brought up within the plot itself. You need to know that there were were prior games and that one of the protagonists one of the girls from them was named Sakura Shinguji which the game will bring up immediately and not stop talking about. And that's about it. (laughs) But uh, otherwise, yeah, it's it's fun. It's cute. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I think my favorite dialogue choice so far has been that there was a uh, authority figure that one of the girls didn't like, and one of the options was to say, uh, we should go beat him up. And if you choose to say that, you get an animation of your characters storming out of the room, and then, like, it cuts to black, and there's, like, sounds of gunshots and <laughs> like like you know a bunch of like security goons saying after them and that sort of sh- stuff and then like your characters go back to the room they were in and they're like well I wasn't ex- I wa- was hoping we'd actually reach him but didn't work out but yeah, yeah it's, it's really great because like you pick that option not expecting it to actually work and then that happens so what, one of the few games in the series I actually played was the, for the Game Boy Color version, actually, and oh, it was more that. of a uh, it was more of an adventure sim kind of thing, mm-hmm. and uh, or with the original GameCast, and yeah. one of the options at one point it, you can um, help the Chinese character girl um, with her science experiments, and I found out the hard way that this leads to large explosions and you getting ex- expelled. Physically and officially from the school. <laughs> so the uh, the official expulsion comes after the physical one out the window. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm also, um, if anybody else is 
wonder about anything in the series. If you ever played um, Project Cross Zone, so um, that had a couple characters. characters from, several characters from different games in the series make appearances in there, and one of the largest battles in the later part of the game happens in front of the Parisian headquarters, mm-hmm. um, the Chat Noir Theater. Mm-hmm. That was that was a crazy battle. I remember it was huge, um, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, Soccer Wars is kind of interesting to look back at because it's, like, sort of the popularization of the idea of cross-pollinating RPGs with, like, social sims. So, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting to see it come back. The new one, yeah, the new one's pretty good. Like, yeah, not not amazing, but relaxing and fun. <laughs> and not just that, but going all out with the shoujo manga tradition of Takarazuka Theater. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not just... Not just in the style or the thematic elements, but actually having them be theater char- uh, characters from a theater. Yeah, like all of them. Every single game is about a different, uh, like theater. Uh, True. Well, not necessarily yeah. a different theater, but like they are. They are all of the, all the people piloting the robots that do fight demons are also part of a theater. And and forming a wonderful pun with both spells of the word troop yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah oh what was i think um i know i'm pretty sure that the takarazuka theater has actually done adaptations of at least one or two of the games in the series that would make perfect sense yeah they're basically built for it yeah but yeah they also would have been some of the first games to really mimic the structure of anime where like you do a plot that involves spending time with a specific girl and then you resolve that plot in like a climactic fight and then it'll do literally a next episode (laughs) this happens yeah i mean this was pretty common with a lot of the adventure sim games yeah but yeah when it was first entered like mainstream rpgs in japan yeah and not instead of one of the adventure sims that had the occasional RPG interlude like Tokimeki Memorial, yeah. which was hilarious. Um, I, I just re- I remember seeing videos of this one, but apparently Tokimeki Memorial Two had a an actual RPG mini game that was a like a LARPing in the park date. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's cute. I think like a friend sent me a a video of an event that he said I was like unlikely to see and it was kind of incredible because it was just a like it was apparently what happens if you like agree to go on a date with one of the girls and then don't follow through on it and it was just him it was just her marching into his room and pointing a gun at his face <laughs> so all right was, I'm excited. I'm excited for that uh, that kind of <laughs> grotesque failure. Uh, but yeah, so that's fun. Uh, the there's one thing that I was thinking while I was playing it is that uh, Soccer Wars like is always sort of selling a atmosphere of light indistinct nostalgia like this theater you're in is clearly fairly old but like in a charming way the game takes place in like i think the the 
timing would map to being about 1940, but World War II isn't happening, so let's not get too worried about that. Uh, it's a, it it uh, it's interesting to go for that sort of theming for just like pleasantly like rustic's not the right word, but that sort of like pleasantly like things are getting. Uh, more complex in this world, but in a way that to us would read as quaint. Mm. So, yeah. It's an interesting mood for a game to put forward. Other than Sakura Tyson, I've been playing... Uh... Oh, Divinity Original Sin 2 a bit as well. Nice. Which uh, is the most D&D video game, more so than basically any D&D game that I have ever played with actual official D&D rules. I am all for this to the point where like you like i think the thing that makes it feel different is that you can look at something in the environment and choose to use combat actions on throwing it yes like that sort of improvisation yes. that doesn't exist in D proper games until Baldur's gate 3 which is basically divinity original sin 3 uh but like that sort of like that's kind of the thing that D&D simulations typically fail at, is that the the improvisational spirit of actually playing D&D with a group of people doesn't tend to exist in them. So they, they did a good job of that. Uh, I also appreciated... When you start the game, you're given the option of choosing a semi-pre-made character. You can change their name, but they have like a specific background. Or you can create an entirely custom character that you can then tag certain backgrounds onto them. Huh. So like, I decided to go with a really silly combination of Jester and Scholar as backgrounds. And so I'll get you get dialogue options that exist because of your background. Which has been interesting to see those pop up. So yeah, I'm impressed with it so far. Sweet. I can't wait to not play that more uh, anyone needs. Uh, not that anyone's surprised at this point that a game that I know in many places was a contender for one RPG of the year uh, is a good game. But I think either it made it in our tops of the decade, or s- multiple people had it in their top tens for sure. Yeah, it was definitely a very popular game, so I don't want to wax too much on it since people definitely know that that one's good. <laughs> yeah. So, we should probably hit at least one of the questions that we have. We only have a couple since we're recording this a little closer together than we usually do. But uh, we actually have two questions on the 159 um, comments yeah, that, that we didn't answer. That we hadn't gotten last recording, so. Uh, so thanks go to Shaman and Strawberry Eggs for just piling on questions thank you guys keeping us alive (laughs) Uh, yeah Uh, so Shaman asks in games with characters you have to name do you have any naming conventions that you follow Uh, yes (laughs) Uh, uh, usually Final Fantasy or wrestler names Wow. Uh, my, he, he says, mine are tending to use the name Mikado in Japanese environments for male pro- 
characters, and if the last name is required, I use a pro wrestler. So my <laughs> I, I hadn't even haven't even seen his questions. <laughs> yeah, so his Persona Five protagonist was Mikado Misawa, leader of the club. And yes, this was inspired by the NWO sidebar in One Fifty Nine. Nice. I know. Half the time, I just use my own name in Japanese. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll case do that, in kanji, just for the hell of it. Oh, but uh, I'm thinking back to Wild Arms Two, which had the strange quirk that you could literally rename almost the entire main cast. Yeah, like some of those characters that don't even have that never join the party and only appear in a handful of scenes can be renamed for some reason. Including the two characters who end up fusing into the final boss. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I just renamed everything as much as I w- could. I remember I didn't like the the first protagonist's actual given name very well because Ashley just did not sound very good as a guy's name to me. So I remember he was Nigel. <laughs> yeah, he was Nigel the entire time. Mm-hmm. And I... Um, I think I renamed the girl Bethany, and I came up with something random Japanese for the, the pris- for the uh, escaped convict guy. Brad. Yeah. No, I th- it was Mahulkin or something like that. And mm. I think the only character I, whose name I could change that I didn't was this one minor NPC. I think his name was Scott. Because yeah, he's Scott, a Marvel joke. He, he was described as a vacant-looking kid. <laughs> and there was a guy who lived down the hall from me named Scott who looked like a stoner. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? This name just fits. We're going to keep that one. In the English version, at least, he and his friend are Marvel jokes for some reason. Because his friend is Tony Stark and he's Scott Summers. <laughs> See, I wasn't big enough into comic books at the time to have picked that up. And mm-hmm. so I didn't remember it to begin with. Yeah. Um, but that sounds like a working designs joke. Yeah, but it was Sony for some reason. Mm-hmm. That game's translation is not great, but... Oh, no, it's not particularly good, but you know what? Half the fun with having my brain work the way it does is that I was able to backwrite a lot of it into something that made more sense. <laughs> uh, I, I, had a, I actually borrowed the copy I, I played from a friend because he couldn't get through it, and he preferred my, uh, my summaries of the action. <laughs> You both got what you Apparently, wanted. I was better at telling the story of this game than the game was. So, this was which is too bad because I really liked the thematic elements of that game. So, I mean, it was all about being a hero and what it meant to be a hero. Yeah. So, I mean, I could have wished for a much people, better translation to support that. And people's uh, desire to throw the throw everything onto a hero so they don't have to. Yeah, I'm, I mean, one of your party members and the two final antagonists were 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 uh, dealing with issues of being descended from the great hero and fearing that they couldn't live up to it. Yeah, which Apparently. led to the party member becoming a mostly robot, mostly cyborg, and the other two, as I said before, sacrificing themselves to merge with the entity that would become the final boss, so it would have a body that could be defeated. Hmm. which apparently a lot of people didn't really understand from the number of comments I've seen on the final battle of that game. <laughs> it's uh, it's getting into, like, abstract territory before you get into the bad translations. So. Yeah. But, I mean, it's very obviously Lovecraftian references. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, 
I love that game. Like, it's yeah, it's one of those games I mean, that it's very hard for me to defend, but I love it. I mean, there's an optional boss called the Creeping Chaos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the nature of the final boss of the game, that is so incredibly Lovecraftian. Mm-hmm. Because it is so outside comprehension that you can't fight it. So, in order to fight it, the these two characters sacrifice themselves in order to make to bring it to reality basically mm-hmm. it's just yeah i've always been curious like ever since i found out about it but apparently the wild arms team was originally formed out of a f- former telenet subdivision that made the tenshi no uta games and i'm kind of curious about those but obviously since they're pc engine games no one's ever translated any of them <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, oh, yeah. oh, and Wheels, remember all of those Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon games that used to play? Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, if, you have, if you ever actually need something to connect Kevin Bacon to the video game industry, it's Wild Arms 3. Really? Explain. Because there, there, is a, there is a kind of a semi-boss that you have to beat at one point. It's actually a, a regular enemy later on, but there's a special event that you have to do um, to beat one in order to get something else. And in the English translation, it's called a diabarg. Oh, because, yeah. Because they couldn't get permission to use the actual Japanese name Graboid. Oh. Uh, so they just spelled it backwards. Nice. But yeah, it, it's a Tremors reference. And who was starring in Tremors? Kevin Bacon. <laughs> the Graboid actually became a thing that repeatedly shows up in Wild Arms. Because it's also in 5, and I think it might be in 4, too. <laughs> yeah. Three is the first one that where I remember it happening, and I haven't actually played four and five. So, yeah. But yeah. there you go. Um, if anyone ever challenges you, challenges you with this again, that's how you connect it to video games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a series that sadly will likely never come back. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh... Oh, but hopefully we will see spiritual successors eventually. Yeah. I mean, it happened with Saga, it can happen with anything. The other thing uh, I was going to bring up in terms of, like, uh, selecting names is this was not something I did, it was something a friend of mine did, but it was very funny to me. Which was, he started (laughs) playing uh, FF7 again a couple years ago, and he, like, renamed Cloud Ralph for reasons... I think he just thought that that name was stupid enough to be funny. But then, like... Partway through, he got he realized that it like <laughs> he like set it down for a bit and then came back to it and b- without thinking about what he named Cloud, he just started naming everyone else Big plus the first con- consonant in their name. So you have this like bizarre party of characters named like Big B and Big A, and then for some reason Cloud is just walking around named Ralph. <laughs> it was kind of art yeah that's that's something that you can't really do now that the characters now that there's voice acting and you can't rename the entire cast because you can't just ruin ruin the entire game's dramatic stakes by giving everyone terrible names i know i still like the fact that if you re- that you could rename titus in final fantasy 10 and the um and the game would react respond by simply removing his name from dialogue 
Yeah, like that that's something that like developers have gotten more and localizers have gotten more deft at doing is finding ways to address the player by name without having to yeah. without overriding their capacity to Yeah. And I remember I think that's also the reason why in Dragon Quest eight, Yangus always refers to the main character as governor. Gov. Gov. Yeah. But going back, I'm amazed that this is going to be the second time I mention this game, but Tokimeki Memorial 2 is, no, or perhaps more than one game in the series, is notable for the fact that as long as you input a name that is phonetically possible in Japanese, the game's voice acting will do it. Yeah, it's much more possible to like do that in Japanese with the whole syllabaria thing. Yeah, whereas English is just too phonetically messed up. Yeah, there's no way to assume how it's pronounced based on how it's uh, yeah how it's been written I mean, I mean technically when Gaelic is more consistent with pronunciation rules than English is yeah and you have things like S-I-O-B-H-A-N being pronounced Siobhan consistently pronounced this way yeah there's a lot there's a lot yeah but, yeah uh, I think uh, something I've noticed a lot is that, like, it especially sticks out in uh, Persona 5, like, as a game where they definitely, definitely decided that all your characters needed code names, in part because, like, it, you know, it's, you're supposed to be a collection of anonymous thieves, but also because it allows them to give the protagonist a name that you aren't in charge of. So, Soul like, if a character. Same thing. Yeah. Like, so, like, if a character needs to address your character by name uh, they can always fall back on the fact that your character's code name is set as Joker but that's that's something that like I've seen show up a lot as like oh in Mass Effect you could rename you could give Shepard a first name but it didn't matter because they were always going to be Shepard or Commander hmm. but hmm. always kind of a interesting to see how developers are trying to sort of skirt around the limitations that voice acting imposes. Yeah. Even though Fallout 4 still stands as a sign of the issues inherent to allowing voice acting. Yeah, they recorded like a bazillion names and still missed tons of ones that I know people with. Oh, I mean, not just that, but the amount or the number of dialogue trees in that game is significantly less than the previous two. Yeah, because uh, it's expensive. Because they couldn't, they couldn't voice act everything. <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. It's expensive. It's probably doesn't actually fit Fallout very well. <laughs> yeah, but the fans were demanding it, and they didn't quite realize the cost-benefit of analysis of everything else they liked about the games getting cut. Yeah, Fallout 4 is a confused product. Uh, but not quite as confused as the online game. I don't think it's possible to be... But I, I don't think Fallout 76 counts as confused because it doesn't seem to have had an idea what it was to start with. That's true. But, well, it turned into class warfare pretty quickly. Yeah, that was incredible. Yeah. But, yeah. That, that game uh, is kind of fascinating. <laughs> fascinating for all the wrong reasons um, yes. but yeah as for oh, people did also find a way to like 
set flags that weren't supposed to be set in permanent permakillosing players, which was also uh, incredible. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, as a natural experiment for sociology purposes, it's really nice. Yeah, Again, I'm right sure if they intended to do that, it would... <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I mean, there are things that you do not really want to experiment on people, but you know what? If people do it to themselves. Cool. We've learned so much, and it wasn't even unethical to do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's always the biggest weakness of the social sciences. There are just some things that you cannot experiment on directly, so you have to look for what things that did happen and extrapolate from there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, otherwise... Uh, Yeah, uh, my ver personal uh, response to the story is that I have uh, given up on feeling any sense of weirdness about a game attempting to address me directly, so I just sort of put my name in when it seems like a character doesn't have a canon name. Doesn't even doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter how out of place that is, I'll get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> And hey, that would work for no matter how old the game, because most games, that, at least, I mean, even for the Game Boy, allowed four characters in the name. Yep. So yeah, you I can, always had a ready-made short Fantasy version. Legend or Final Fantasy Adventure, and you could still be Dave. Yep, there are definitely Final Fantasy Legend playthroughs I have with that name floating around. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, and this, I guess, we should move to Strawberry Eggs' question. I think I know exactly what is being referenced here, but we'll continue. Uh, there is a certain game that hasn't left my mind since July of last year. It's clearly time for a replay, but a tiny part of me hopes, perhaps in vain, that Tales of Symphonia Chronicles will be ported to the Switch. I feel like if the Switch had launched a year earlier, it would have been, but we do not live in that happy world. So, uh, so I'll ask a related question without naming it directly. Is there a direct sequel to a game that you love, even though it's considered the inferior game? Maybe you don't necessarily like the sequel more than the original, but you still really enjoy it. Uh, trust me, you have met a fellow Dawn of the New World fan, but to extrapolate the question, I like FF10 too more than FF10. Okay, that's, that's an outlier position. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to say Maple Story for the 3DS, because it's technically an improvement on the DS game while also being inferior in terms of story and a lot of other things. Length. But you still uh, like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, aside from the platforming in the pyramid level, which I just gave up on on the second time through, um, second playthrough, I gave up after an hour and a half. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a good game, I just have no reason to replay it. Unlike the first game, which I've replayed multiple times. Yeah. yeah, And that, that can be fine sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> or, um, let's see, both of the Metal Saga games. I mean, not so much the PlayStation 2 one, because that one had more issues. The, the DS one I did enjoy, I've replayed. It has some major issues, and it is certainly inferior to the Super Famicom game that came before it in many ways. But at the same time, it also laid a lot of basic framework for the next three games that came after it. So I'm happy for that. Very happy. Um, 
And I'll be letting you know in July how Reborn turns out. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, if it turns out, I'm kind of hoping here. <laughs> so. Okay, how about you, Wheels? Uh, I have two that immediately come to mind. The first is Disgaea D2. It's the hmm. game I ended mm-hmm. up reviewing. That's a game uh, I keep forgetting exists. Yes, <laughs> I, a lot of people seem to. Uh, the story sucks, which which makes the whole game's existence very strange, because why make a direct sequel to the original one if you're going to... Botch the part that... Horribly botch the story. Uh, but gameplay-wise, it was actually very good, and actually kind of trimmed the f- some of the fat of the series to make kind of like a lean, mean Disgaea game that I found quite enjoyable, so... Ah, uh, the lean, mean Disgaea machine. Yeah. It's quite good, and which is disappointing because the follow-up to it learned absolutely nothing from it. Hmm... Let's not let you get on that tie, right? What's yes. the other one? Uh, the other one would just be Lightning Return. Not, I'm sorry, not Lightning Returns. Is that what... Oh, Lightning Returns is Final one. Fantasy thirteen three. Yes, thank you. For some reason I thought that was the subtitle of 2, but it's not. But yes, no, thirteen two has no subtitle and Lightning's barely in it. It's everyone walking around asking, where's Lightning? Yes, it's a terrible game. Uh, so yeah, Lightning Returns is a... V- has also has a terrible story. I guess it's the theme here, but gameplay-wise is very interesting. And gameplay-wise, it's basically trying to be Valkyrie Profile. Yes, it's incredibly strange, but it's I almost like Triace with co-developer. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> but it, it's it's really it's really really cool, and I, I wish they would do more weird experimental things like that. Uh. Uh, and it, it's also kind of weird because there's a lot of like homages to the whole series in general. It, it's it's a weird game, but I highly recommend people give it a chance. You can get it for maybe maybe just hit the skip cutscene button once you start getting bored. But yes. uh, but you can you can play it on your Xbox and I think 4K. They should really just port that game to the Switch so that I can finally play it again. They, they should. Uh, and on a random side note, I recently upgraded my TV and yeah. one of the things I did to kind of s- to see, hey, is this 4K thing all it's cracked up to be? Mm-hmm. Uh, was I fired up 13 the 13 because yeah. it's, you know, all the cinematics and everything were upgraded to 4K and it was jaw-dropping. My eyes are broken, so like anything above like 720 is completely lost on me. That's fine, and I mean, really, it's it's really not that big an upgrade, but it it was surprising to me that they went through all that trouble for. Yeah, I'm baffled that they actually patched that. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. But, but yeah, yeah. If you, if you... Thir- yeah, Lightning Returns was definitely one of those ones that was almost like I was debating whether to list ten two or Lightning Returns, but I figured you would get to Lightning Returns. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's it's a weird game, and. Yeah, like I said, I highly recommend playing it on Xbox if you have an Xbox. That's yeah, that's that's the best version of it. Yeah, hopefully they release some kind of remaster of that trilogy at some point. 
Yeah, uh, let's see. I was thinking of, like, this isn't a game I love, but it's a game I like uh, that I don't think many people care about one way or the other, and that's Star Ocean Five, which is... Blue Sphere was better. I, I mean, I'll totally believe that, but... <laughs> after 3 and 4 hurt me deeply, uh, 5 being, you know, a pretty good game. Not an amazing game, but a pretty good game was enough to make me at least feel better about Star Ocean as a concept. <laughs> oh, man, 3. That was a game. What? Uh, what? Star Ocean 3? Yes, I said Star Ocean 3. That was a game, which... Was it? Which has uh, multiple meanings, saying that it's a game. Yeah. So, yeah. which one was it that spawned a meme involving Adrian? Oh, uh, that was 4. That was 4? Yeah, that was 4. Oh, yeah. is not great either. But it was great in the imaginations of hundreds of GameFAQ commenters who had not yet played it. Ugh. So bizarre to me. Uh, well, that reminds me. Speaking I'm... of interesting sociological natural experiments, there. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, that reminds me, since it's the 10 year anniversary of Final Fantasy 13, and also the 10 year anniversary of me writing for RP Gamer, uh, people complaining about Final Fantasy 13 before having played it was the impetus for me to eventually write for RP Gamer. So there you go. I can't oh, believe Wheels is the secret sequel to Final Fantasy XIII. Yes. Which I, which I don't think I ever actually... I don't think I've ever actually written anything about thirteen on the site, but like just arguing arguing with people about that game kind of got the creative juices flowing, I guess. Thirteen's a game well, I have a lot of very complicated feelings about. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I remember writing the initial impression for the site back in December of 2010, I think it was. Um, just based, I mean, wrote it com in like half an hour following the prologue of the game. I'd just blown everything up to smithereens um, and being very enthusiastic about it. I mean, mm -hmm. as far as openings go, it was, had a pretty good opening. I didn't realize exactly how long it would take to get any, to anything else for a while, but <laughs> it's and I will I will stand by an assertion that I made at the time that the as far as uh, narrative pacing is concerned, Final Fantasy Thirteen is structured a lot more like a novel without a lot of the necessary background narrative that you could read to understand what the hell was going on, and yeah. without much concern for the fact that novels are not video games. And thus, you should probably not be arranging your gameplay based on who is, or make that gating off portions of the gameplay depending on who's available at the time. It's a weird, so. yeah, it's a weird game. It it feels very much constructed out of what was done. Mm -hmm. And like, in that sense, it's impressive that it's as cohesive as it is, but... Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I could I could honestly see it being rewritten as a Japanese light novel or a novel series. <laughs> Definitely got and that. Su and succeeding quite well without actually changing any of the narrative structure. Yeah. Yeah. Except maybe a lot of the open world quests in Chapter 13. Yeah, Chapter 11. Well, Chapter 11, whatever it was. Chapter 11 is honestly where the game actually lost me. <laughs> yeah. Because there was no long... Like, the game is so 
built around like you not having time to sit back and decide what to do that like once it actually does let you do that i was just like oh i don't i just kind of lost interest in actually continuing because it's just like without something forcing me forward it was harder to keep invested in doing anything yeah i'm pretty sure I mean, that's exactly where i stalled out and took a break by finishing uh resonance of fate was that yeah it, it's, but like, it's also um, a game that's sort of structured like a novel <laughs> but, but, but better like, um, I was um, one of the things I was commenting on with the uh, Final Fantasy X editorial I did about a week and a half ago was um, linearity and plot structure where mm-hmm. um, I mean Final Fantasy XIII for most of it is a fugitive narrative yeah except I mean, all the way up to the end of chapter 10 at which point it becomes something else for a while, and that's what kind of throws things off. Yeah, but, it suddenly doesn't yeah. have a dramatic impetus to immediately move on, and that kind of hurts yeah. it. Yeah, and so one, I mean, one of the bigger weaknesses, I mean, it could have been done without the need to backtrack, because Final Fantasy X didn't really do that either until the very end when you got fast access. Um, hmm. But... I think I really think part the biggest issue was the way that they handled the character advancement and basically everything involving uh, access to certain battle uh, commands. Mm-hmm. That was probably the biggest weakness the game had. So, and I'm not sure how they could have actually implemented everything in a decently organized way without just putting the entire party together from the start and abandoning the three-part fugitive narrative. So, mm-hmm. three-track fugitive narrative, as opposed to Dragon Quest VIII and Final Fantasy VII, which both had chase narratives as central to parts of the game, but not the entire game. Yeah. Yeah. Both of those kind of yeah. end up being a lot of things before they're done. But... Yeah. And also, unlike Final Fantasy X, which succeeded the best with a very linear narrative, because a pilgrimage actually makes a lot of sense with this kind of always forward motion mm-hmm. yeah and giving you an excuse to actually look at things and see things and no real reason to go backwards mm-hmm. yeah but so yeah 13's like 13 is still best summed up by Motomu Toriyama ta- doing the GDC postmortem where he mentions that the game there was no idea of how the game would play until they were forced to make a demo of it <laughs> And then it's like, yeah. <laughs> after after years of constructing art assets and working with a half finished engine, they were finally forced to decide what the game was going to be. And this is not how you make a game. Okay. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not a healthy environment. Again, it's very. It speaks well to. It speaks well to how well they managed to piece it together that the game is cohesive at all. Mm. But. Yeah, like, you can tell that just because, like, characters move through environments, but where they're going and where they've been have very little to do with each other, and often what they're in right now is something that they only seem dimly aware of. Like, oh, we're in the junk heap. Okay. Well, narratively, that doesn't matter, so we're just going to keep moving. So... 
I think the the most that it lines up is Saz and Vanille uh, trying to run away, so their er first area sort of looks like an open field, which fits thematically. Mm. But yeah, otherwise, a lot of times they're like characters are split are split off doing something, but where they are is very arbitrary. <laughs> Except to a neuron pulse. Yeah, pulse. Is... But I'm I'm speaking specifically of the first twenty or so hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is again something that would work better with a novel or a novel series. Yeah, but not it feels with that's interactive yeah. to that degree. It's it's a game I don't dislike thirteen. It's just a game that I have very complicated feelings about. Yeah. I I will say that the final boss battle when it actually seemed like I was gonna win it this time was <laughs> a very exciting moment for me. And then you were crushed. No, no, no. This was the, the third time after I'd been crushed twice before and finally figured out the poison worked. Ah, yeah. Because <laughs> that was the only way to get its hit points down fast enough to defeat it before it... Yeah, because that's like it. a time limit. Yeah, before it uses the instant death attacks. Yeah, that yeah. was one of the things I did not like about that game. They start doing that more and more as the game goes on, I think. Yeah. They start imposing soft time limits. Which is... I did... I did like the fact that the game actually made the final boss not immune to something that yeah, that's good as a sidebar, because that I mean it's way too often that especially Final Fantasy just ignores the status ailments in at points where they could really be useful. Yeah, that reminds I mean, me uh, of a tip I saw for FF7 that I never even tried, but apparent but sounds very fun. There are some bosses that are not immune to stop in FF7 remake. Huh. Ooh. And stop. So FF7 remake steals the stagger gauge from FF13. Stop stops the stagger gauge from draining. Oh. <laughs> that's pretty so, great. Yeah, that was, that was a cute detail that I thought, like, oh, that's really neat that that exists at all. Yeah. Well, I'm remembering one of the very first bits of game advice I ever gave literally 30 years ago on a bulletin board involving Final Fantasy Legend 2. And the fact that the boss, Venus, since she does not actually possess a Magi of Sleep, is not immune to sleep. Huh. I mean, you do need to jack up your mana stat really high on whoever's casting that sleep spell to get it to work, but it will work. So. And coincidentally, um, they switched around some of the Magi placements in the remake, so she's not immune to sleep, or she's not vulnerable to sleep in the DS remake, but Asura is. Interesting. Which makes him a lot easier. <laughs> so. So, uh, yeah, hooray for actually giving bosses usable weak points that involve spells that most people don't use. Because they never seem to be useful. Yes, you need more of that. I'm, I'm pretty sure the main one of the major reasons why so many people had issues with Final Fantasy XIII's bosses because they were thinking, who uses poison? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody uses poison, so we're not using it. So. Well, I did right away as soon as I got a saboteur. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. We also have a saboteur. Um... <laughs> Well, that was like uh, some of the, the the oddball mages and like Final Fantasy Tactics that focused on status, status ailments and stuff were always my 
one of my favorites. Yeah. So, yeah, but those were tactical games. Those those kind of encourage you to make use of more of the status elements. I'm talking like the main Final Fantasy games where yeah. it's mostly hit stuff with your sword, repeat. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> so, in conclusion, cast stop on your opponent. Yeah. Where did this start? Oh yeah, direct sequel to it. <laughs> Yes. And suddenly it turned into a sidebar about a 13 for half an hour. Um, hey, there's there's worse. I mean, okay, maybe there are probably not many worse things to talk about, but yeah. Uh, I haven't played it yet, but the the sequel to the, the Arlen series that came out last year looks really Scion good. Scion of Arlen, I forget what her name Lula. is. Lula. Yeah, yeah Lula. looks really good. Yeah, I appreciate good that. Thing. So I'm going to throw that in the list anyway. <laughs> Wow, Baldy. Uh, yeah. Um, the only the only complaint I have about that one is it doesn't have a dub. Yeah. But they they kind of stopped doing English dubs for. They did. Financial reasons, yeah. right? For uh, everything. The what the explanation I could find was that supposedly they had data that like some like eighty percent or so we're not using the dub. I yeah. don't know if that's accurate, and that number sounds inaccurate, but supposedly that's the reason. And I don't know if that's just based on the the uh, Atelier series, or if that was like a general like Tecmo Koei thing. Cause it seems sounds more like a general Tecmo Koei. Yeah. So, because I know a lot of the Muso games I play do not have a dub, so... Yeah, I guess it is what it is, but I, I'm I can live with that one. It's just like for that one, since it's like a sequel to past games, it would have been cool to see some of those old voice actors come back and whatnot. But yeah. it's fine. Okay. Uh, uh... Oh well, you uh, you. You add a layer when you can. Sometimes yep. you do it in Japanese. Listen, if if that helps them continue to bring the series here uninterrupted, yeah, but totally fine. Yeah, no, I, I'm totally willing to accept game. Yeah. Like game without English is still better than game without English voice acting is still better than game without English text. Ex exactly. I mean, I like a, as I mentioned, I've been playing Soccer Wars. That game does not have a dub either. I generally don't pay attention to dubs anyway, but I just remember that in Sophie, um, that uh, Pamela's voice actress sounded a bit like a turkey. <laughs> just, I mean, that that's the only way I could really describe the the weird tenor to her voice was it sounded a bit like gobble, gobble, gobble. Um, and that's a very unfortunate thing to say, but still. Um, that and the number of times that in... Tatori, I remember that everyone found different ways to pronounce Atelier. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. And those are about the only two I've actually played that had English um, um, subbing because I, well, one was Steam and the other one was a review copy I borrowed from Sam years ago. Um, so it's like, okay. Well, I mean, Spending a lot of time with Charlotte in Trials of Mana is probably going to turn off anyone to any kind of dub, so... Wow. There, there's that. 
But she wants to talk. <laughs> oh no, that's not that's not nearly annoying enough. You gotta amp it up, man. <laughs> um, well, I Charlotte, just... there won't know what you're talking about. Oh that's, god, that's getting there. Let's not do this. Um... I, don't think I would have to start sucking helium in order to get this right. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Um... Both for the vocal changes and possibly brain damage. So. I decided that's, to. That's actually fairly accurate to the character. Now that I think of it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I no, decided I mean, it's like there was a trauma that causes. Yeah, the... yeah. Yeah, like yeah. I decided to look up what the Sakura Wars subtitles actually were in Japan, and I'm just enchanted by two apparently having the subtitle "Thou shalt not die." <laughs> oh yeah, they've got fun, fun subtitles for so many games in this country. <laughs> Sakura Wars 2, Thou Shalt Not Die. Sakura Wars 3, Is Paris Burning? Sakura Wars 4, Fall in Love, Maidens. And These then, sound kind of like the um, episode titles to something like Inuyasha. Yeah, that is definitely, they give the vibe of like, you know, Which, weekly anime t- episode title. Yep, it is, they're very much shoujo anime type titles. Yeah, and you know, that makes sense. They are... Even though, like, shoujo is not how I would describe it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's very shoujo in this case. There's, there's a lot of shoujo in it, but, like, there's a lot of other forms of anime that is also built into it. It's a very strange mishmash. But... Huh. I'll have to double-check uh, some of these claims that I'm reading about this game. But, uh, yeah. So, you know, video games, I think we've run ourselves out of questions. Yes. On the top, when we were briefly talking about Gust, I'm very much looking forward to see what they've done with a fairy tale RPG. And that makes a it away. a three-episode score where it's been brought up. Yes. <laughs> Well, I mean, let's see, fairy tale RPG. So, first of all, did they manage the boob physics properly? Probably. I'm just gonna assume yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, sad to say, but that is one of the major aspects of the anime. So. It's true. I won't deny it. <laughs> it is still an anime aimed at teenage boys. Yes. <laughs> yep. I know my niece likes it, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was I was trying to find a a figurine of a character from the series to give to her on our trip to America in March, and I had to apologize to her because I literally could not find one that wasn't in a bikini suit or <laughs> a bikini. And yeah, so I, so I found at least three different female characters from the series, and they were all in very short swimwear. And she's like, "Yeah, I think I know which three. <laughs> so like, good because I don't remember their names. But since it's not um, it's not a top tier anime in Japan anymore, it's actually kind of hard to find material for it. Yeah, I think the anime concluded. Yeah. Even though the manga, I don't think it's finished. That happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. And occasionally they actually go back and reboot the anime. Yeah, that seems like it's become more common as to like. Well, once the manga's over, you go back and you do something about it. For God's sake, Ble- Bleach got that treatment, so... Yeah. 
And that had really dunked in popularity by the time it, they put that horse out to pasture in Japan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I guess uh, questions will be in the usual places. You may, in fact, be hearing two episodes closer on the heels of each other than usual. Yay! Bonus! Bonus stage. Uh, So, uh, questions go in the comment section, or they go in the Q&A quest section of the Discord. We're happy either way. Uh... Be sure to uh, consider checking out uh, Gaijin's book on Amazon. Yep. It should be available in ebook and non ebook formats under Michael Yarimizu. Yes. And thank you for the shout out, yes. So. No, no. I, I, I'd love to try to support in what little way I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, good. Okay. But yeah, uh, otherwise, uh, see you, Space Cowboys. Yeah.